Hello, and welcome to Sprott Radio. I'm your host, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Partner at Sprott Asset Management. I'm pleased today to welcome back John Hathaway, Managing Partner and Senior Portfolio Manager at Sprott. John, thank you for joining Sprott Radio. My pleasure, Ed. You know, John, 2023 has been quite interesting. Yields have been fairly attractive. You know, you can make a little bit of money in your cash right now. Dollar has been relatively strong, and the S&P is on a record run. Yet gold, you know, is kind of hanging in there. You know, what's going on with gold these days? Well, in fact, gold is at a new high within uh, a couple of percent, and it's the best-kept secret in the Western world. In fact, gold has performed as well as the S&P for the last 25 years, and that's including dividends and income. If you exclude dividends and income, Gold has beaten the index by a factor of two to one. So it's kind of a stealth asset. Nobody knows about it. Nobody cares. It's underowned, And in my opinion, it is on the cusp of a big breakout to new highs. Why do you think people don't care? What's behind that? Well, I think the big thing is that there's this illusion that the S&P is doing well. But if you take out seven or eight stocks, as you know, the average stock has just sort of gone nowhere. In fact, the S&P hasn't gone anywhere for the last two years. And again, most people aren't paying attention. But to answer your question, I think most investors are complacent and very comfortable with their mainstream portfolios. John, you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast, as well as in our own literature, uh, about the physical market, gold. But Gold equities have been largely ignored. You know, why do you think people aren't paying attention to gold equities? You know, basically they haven't done well. You know, even though the gold price has has performed quite well, as, as I suggested, gold stocks have not. This is a stat that's worth thinking about. The gold price is up 25% over the last 10 years. Gold stocks using the Van Eck ETF as a proxy, GDX, is down over 40%. A complete disconnect and lots of reasons for it. But the main reason and an answer to your question is that uh, gold stocks have done poorly relative to the gold price. But as that gold price goes higher, you've got to believe the margins on these gold equities gets more attractive. So why aren't people focused on that? They focus on every other industry, but they're not focused on gold equities. Why is that? Well, for one thing, the the market cap of the entire gold mining industry is about the size of Home Depot. It's really tiny in the context of these financial markets. It's quite easy to allocate to gold the metal because it is a big market cap and it's liquid, easy to position. Gold mining stocks, on the other hand, are a relatively small space and I think most people just can't be bothered. They, they feel if they need to have gold exposure, which you and I would both agree they do, they think that that's just fine. And so why go the extra step to invest in mining stocks, which are more difficult to understand and more difficult to position? 
John, what do you say when someone says something along the lines of 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was difficult to own gold in a portfolio. And today with all the ETFs out there and, and our product that we have out there, it's much more easily allocated to. You think that has anything to do with it? The fact that there's other risk on assets you can apply capital to other than gold equities. And, and it is easier to physically own gold today in a portfolio than it was, say, two or three decades ago. Do you buy into that at all? Or do you think it's much deeper than that? No, no, no. There's no question about the advent of GLD, which is the, was the first ETF, and I believe the year was 2004, and since has grown by a substantial amount. I can't think of the combined market cap of all the gold-backed ETFs off the top of my head, but it is, I'm going to guess, 70, 80 billion. Mm -hmm. And it's easy. It doesn't take a lot of analysis. And th these markets today are driven by a lot of... Um, financial advisors who like to plug and play. They really don't necessarily get into the nitty gritty of individual companies. So gold is a category. It's relatively easy to understand. The fact that it's easy to position through ETFs cer certainly has been in large part a reason why gold stocks have languished. What are some of the points that you would want to listen to walk away with on why they should be thinking about gold equities today? What are some of the opportunities out there? Yeah, good. Okay. I'm glad you framed it that way. Well, first of all, let's just not leave gold itself for a second. I, I would say that the average person who doesn't pay a lot of attention would think that gold is high right now, trading at roughly 2,040 or so. But it's not high. Because if you inflation adjust it for the past 10 years, it might only be 15 or 1600. So to me, on that metric alone, inflation adjusted gold really is not high compared to the macro changes that have taken place. So that's point number one. Point two is that gold is in a very strong technical position. And I'm not one who would sort of rest any argument on technical analysis only, but it has broken out from a three-year base. And technicians that I pay attention to, and I, I take a lot of technical research, are calling for maybe 25 or 2,600 gold based on this breakout. So let's just sort of leave the gold discussion there for a second, and then talk about what's going on with um, the mining stocks. Gold mining stocks valuations are at the lowest level in 20 years. For example, and I'm basing this on sort of generic sell-side research, large caps trade at roughly four times EBITDA, which is enterprise value over cash generation. And in a world where the typical stock trades at much higher valuations than that, you just look at that one thing alone and say, Gee, there, there's potential for mean reversion. Again, think back to what I said earlier, which is that the gold prices, and I'm talking about average annual gold prices, up maybe 25% over the last 10 years, and gold stacks down 40%. Well, that tells me there might be substantial mean reversion potential. We've seen examples recently when gold has had a decent move, and I'm thinking about the rise off of the pandemic low a couple of years ago. Gold rose 30% and increases of 100 to 150% in gold mining stocks were pretty much the rule of the day. So 
gold stocks do have a lot of octane. They have a lot of alpha. If one is positioned for higher gold prices, then gold stocks give you the octane that not everybody, but uh, many would be looking for as a way to generate alpha in their portfolio. And then you, you mentioned margins. Here we are in a world where the Fed has been doing everything in its, in its power to slow inflation. And lo and behold, they've had some success. The uh, inflation rate has come down, you know, pick a number from high single digits to maybe 3% or so. And the gold companies are benefiting from that. Yeah, there are still cost pressures, but look at energy. Energy is down, and that's a huge component of gold mining. In an environment where I think we can make a good case for a higher gold price and cost pressures winding down, that means, to me, margin expansion. And with the stocks as cheap as they are, I think you can make a case for the kinds of returns we saw coming out of the pandemic, you know, 2x, 2.5x. So I'd say that's the heart of the case for why gold mining stocks now. Well, you know, you, you mentioned something also, the Fed. A few of our guests this year have talked a lot about the Fed, and it seems like everyone's throwing a raise in their hands that they got it right, that a soft landing is in fact happening. But now Wall Street's already expecting up to 75 basis point cut over the course of 2024. Does that concern you that the market's already baking in interest rate cuts? And what would that mean for gold and, of course, then gold equities? Well, first, let me say I am completely at odds in my view, and I do not think a soft landing is in the cards. I think it's probably going to be a hard landing, which is not consensus. And that would suggest to me, if my view is correct, and I'm not the only one, but I'm in a very distinct minority. And that means that stocks probably are not going to do all that well in 24. Oh, let's go back to 2002 to 2006, when the Fed was on a campaign to cut interest rates. Gold stocks outperformed the S&P by about 300%. Mm -hmm. Now, that was kind of the lead up to the global financial crisis. But usually what happens when the Fed, and it seems to always get it wrong, when it starts to backpedal the way they're doing, and I think the Fed was bullied into this current pivot by Janet Yellen and even Biden because of the election year politics, that certainly should lead to concern about inflation maybe temporarily uh, subdued, but it's not completely out of the picture. The big point to make here is that rate cuts, and I'm, I'm using the cycle starting in 2002, which was followed, which was the sort of aftermath of the dot-com crash. Mm -hmm. That was really not great news for stocks, but it was great for gold stocks because the gold price did well and then gold stocks did better. So I kind of think we're set up for that sequence again. I have to confess, I am very alone in that view and I could, I could take a whole other podcast to describe why I think the consensus view is wrong. Usually what happens when the Fed cuts rates it's kind of like they're reacting to a weakening economy. Mm -hmm. And that isn't in the consensus yet. We haven't had recognition of that. But all the economic data I look at, aside from the headlines that government 
puts out, which are very highly massaged and uh, tricked up. If you look at things like freight traffic, look at, look at tax collections, which are numbers they can't make up, they're definitely consistent with a weakening economy. So often you hear when rates go down, the dollar softens and, and gold goes up because foreign investments settle in, in U.S. dollars. You think that's going to be part of it as well, or, or is that kind of conventional thinking sort of fallen by the wayside? First of all, when rates start to go down, the dollar weakens. One of the big headwinds for gold and for mining stocks has been all this blabber out of the Fed about higher for longer. Well, I think that's nonsense. And I think we're about to see you know, a cycle of, of rate cuts. But you kind of touched on something else which I think is very important, and that is the geopolitical situation. And I'm not talking about the hostilities in Ukraine and Israel, which are bad enough. But a case can be made for gold even in the absence of that. And the case is that foreign producers of commodities, Russia, Saudi Arabia, call it the BRIC nations, which are probably two-thirds of the landmass of the, of the world, are finding ways to circumvent recycling trade surpluses into U.S. treasuries. And one of the things they're doing is trading in local currencies and settling balances in gold. What does that mean? For one thing, it means that central banks are buying gold at a record pace. And their buying is not price sensitive. It's policy. They don't care if they pay $2,000 an ounce or $2,500 an ounce. They want gold to facilitate trade. The second thing is that the U.S. fiscal situation is dire, and you're starting to see more and more talk about that. For example, interest on debt now exceeds our defense budget. That's crazy. And high deficits mean the supply of U.S. treasuries is rising. At the same time, foreign buyers are trying to find ways to avoid them. So you've got a supply and demand mismatch on U.S. Treasury issuance, and the net beneficiary of all of that in my opinion, will be gold, and the resolution will be in a higher gold price. So it's geopolitical. It's bigger than whether the Fed's going to do one thing or another. It's beyond the Fed's control. So in my opinion, I can easily see gold trading 50% higher than where it is today based on all these factors. What would you tell an investor looking to potentially rebalance their portfolio and looking at allocating to gold and gold equities what would you say that should look like for someone listening to this podcast and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to allocate to this space? Um, how much should be in the physical side? How much should be in the equity side? And just in general, what would you tell an investor? Okay, well, here are a couple numbers for you. Global AUMs allocated to gold today is roughly 1%, maybe a little more, maybe a you know, sliver more. At the peak of the gold cycle in the 1970s, and I realized... 90% of the people listening to this were probably not born then, but and that's nobody's fault. Maybe your for, good fortune. But the allocation to gold in the, at the end of the 1970s was over 8% of global AUMs. And it's kind of fun to speculate on what, what it would take to get it to 2%. But if it got to 2%, you know, the number I just gave on what I think gold can do over the next few years is way too low. 
And here we have gold at record highs, and there's been no participation by Western investors. It's amazing. Gold-backed ETFs, even though they are a factor, have had outflows. We've seen very little interest from active managers in mining equities. So I think the table is set for really good performance by, one, the gold price, and two, for those who have a little bit more of a risk appetite for gold mining stocks. And it won't take much, considering that the market cap of all the gold stocks is maybe the size of Home Depot. Mm-hmm. It's not going to take a lot of flows to, and considering the valuations that are sort of rock bottom levels, it's not going to take a lot of in the way of flows to drive gold mining stocks substantially higher. And they have a history of responding, as I said, to low points in the gold price, even though the gold price is at a record high. But if gold had a big move, which I think the technicals and the fundamentals suggest, then to me, gold mining stocks have particularly dynamic prospects for outperformance. The world sort of talks about large caps and small caps when you're talking about the S&P or, say, the Russell 2000. And in the mining world, we talk about them as seniors and junior mining stocks. What do you like? Do you like the larger, more established companies, or do you like the smaller, more junior-type companies? And why? Why do you like them? If you don't mind spending a few minutes talking about that. Sure. Yeah, the big, the big cap names are fine, and they will respond accordingly to a higher gold price, and I think there's a lot of potential there. But what we do in the, in the Sprott Gold Fund, we tend to emphasize the mid-cap and smaller-cap names. And the reason for that is that there's more of an opportunity for internal value creation through the process of building and discovering new mines. And so in addition to a rising gold price and and expanding margins, these smaller companies actually will have growth in annual production, earnings, and cash flow. And if they get the gold price at their back, which I think they will, they will offer much greater relative performance. So I don't mean to say avoid the big cap names, but again, for somebody looking for outstanding performance, I would say take a look at our strategy, which emphasizes mid to smaller cap names. You know, and we've seen this in the past also. What about the M&A cycle? You know, we saw an M&A cycle a couple years ago in the mining space where large caps were kind of buying other large caps and really just kind of merging. As these companies, as these smaller cap companies do quite well, do you anticipate or have you seen this in the past where larger cap companies will go in and buy that company to build out their own portfolio? Yeah, no, you're already seeing it. I mean, you're seeing uh, there was a deal today at a 37% premium. I mean, these companies are talking all the time, and they understand that uh, to be relevant, they need to have some liquidity, which usually comes from having more shares outstanding. So you're going to see mergers of equals for sure. Mm-hmm. You're going to see outright takeovers at you know premiums. I thought... was higher than typical, but you're going to see that. And I think more importantly on that whole subject is you will see rationalization. And so you'll see elimination of uh, redundant costs. And again, that's, that's a very good story for earnings. 
you know, is there anything else that maybe I haven't asked that you'd want to leave the listeners with as we go into 2024, whether it's things to look out for or things that you think are real opportunities for? What should they be thinking about? I would say use a contrarian mindset because that often serves one very well. I think too many investors are content to sort of be part of the herd and cluster into the seven or eight big cap stocks that everybody talks about, which are probably all great companies and deserve to be well valued, but maybe they're overcrowded. Maybe there's a potential in the face of continuing good fundamentals for at the margin investors to peel away from the herd and look for other opportunities. So I'd say use contrarian with a capital C as a mindset. And there's nothing more in the crosshairs of a contrarian analysis than gold mining stocks. I guess that would be my little sermon to end our podcast. Be a contrarian. I've always been one. Be a value buyer. I've always been one. Doesn't always work. Maybe wears you out in terms of patience. <laughs> Believe me, I have, I'm black and blue from being too patient. But I do think that the stars are aligning for a really good sequence for not only gold, which, as I said at the outset, has done pretty well without people knowing it, mm-hmm. and for gold mining stocks, which are basically in the orphan status if you look at the pecking order in the, in the stock market. Well, John, this is a lot of great wisdom. Um, I'm hoping uh, the listeners walk away with some great nuggets here, pun intended, to how they should be thinking about investing in 2024. Well, look, it's always a treat to have you on. I think personally very highly of you. I know you're well-respected in the industry. And uh, once again, thank you for joining the podcast. For those listeners that want to learn more about what we're doing at Sprott and John's work on the Gold Equity Fund, I encourage you to visit us at Sprott.com. As always, that's S-P-R-O-T-T.com. And once again, I'm your host, Ed Coyne, and thank you for listening to Sprott Radio. This podcast is provided for information purposes only from sources believed to be reliable. However, Sprott does not warrant its completeness or accuracy. Any opinions and estimates constitute our judgment as of the date of this material and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This communication is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument. Any opinions and recommendations herein do not take into account individual client circumstances, objectives, or needs, and are not intended as recommendations of particular securities, financial instruments, or strategies. You must make your own independent decisions regarding any securities, financial instruments, or strategies mentioned or related to the information herein. This communication may not be redistributed or retransmitted in whole or in part or in any form or manner without the express written consent of Sprott. Any unauthorized use or disclosure is prohibited. Receipt and review of this information constitutes your agreement not to redistribute or retransmit the contents and information contained in this communication without first obtaining express permission from an authorized officer of Sprott.